Hey guys, welcome to the Kids Table. This week we're watching Space Jam, the 1996 movie starring Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. Uh, basketball superstar Michael Jordan and cartoon favorite Bugs Bunny team up with other basketball greats and Looney Tunes characters in this combination animated live-action feature. <laughs> I'm having trouble. I'm having a lot of trouble. Okay, so... Hey, guys. Watching. <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded so pained. I'm sorry. You sounded like Stevie Nicks. Okay. Um, we're watching Space Jam this week. I'm Kendra. I'm here with Matt. Hello. co-host. Matt, how are you? So canned. I'm good. Uh, I'm fine. How are you? Wow. I'll never inquire <laughs> after your personal health ever again. Yeah. It's personal. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. Got any, like, ovarian cysts taken care of or something? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Guys, let's dive into space. <laughs> I need to say, we were having a conversation before the show where I was like, I'm going to try to be pleasant and remember to ask Matt how he is and like how his life is going so that we sound like we're actually friends and not decided to ask me about ovarian cysts that I don't have. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> Can you please remember to talk into the mic? Um, sorry, I get cagey about... Uh, talking about myself and I lash out and I apologize. <laughs> I really, I can't believe you're doing this in front of company. You have company today mm. um, to discuss Space Jam with us. So thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to The Kids Table. Uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about the elephant in the room that is the 90s, which is Space Jam. Yeah. And with us today is our guest, Patrick. Hey guys, it's me, Patrick. <laughs> Patrick? Patrick Willems, that's my full name. Yeah, Patrick is one of our friends. He makes some movies sometimes, and he has very strong opinions about Warner Brothers animation, which this isn't quite, but... I'm just jam-packed with opinions. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're just gonna be here. We're gonna talk about Space Jam a little. Uh, Patrick, how are you? I'm fantastic. Any Unlike you two fine people. <laughs> nope. 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 Everything is just fine down there. That set the tone. Hey, speaking of which, there's an impotence joke in this movie. There is that I didn't notice when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. So, wait, great organic segue. Yeah. yeah, there's a. I mean, this isn't like DreamWorks level of, you know, let's toss in adult. Uh, jokes only adults will get. But there are some, they're few and far between, so, but they're there. Yeah. It makes them so, jarring. It's like... There's a, there's like a two-second Pulp Fiction parody and that a, I yeah, had forgotten and, about. And a patent And reference. a patent parody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's not jump too far into this 90 minutes of movie. Oh, sure there's, we, there's, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, we want to make sure that we kind of, you know, we hit it all in stride and a little bit of order. Um, so just to set the stage a little bit for you, um, if you don't remember... 
for some reason and you were living under a rock in 1996. Oh, damn. Or if you weren't born. <laughs> that is fair. You might have young listeners. This is true. Okay. So you also just could have not been born yet. Gosh, that just makes me feel... Old. Very old. Um, Space Jam, yes. So Space Jam came out in 1996. It starred uh, the... I don't want to even say really the LeBron James of his time or even, or hard, certainly not the Steph Curry of his time because Michael Jordan is just really in a category all into himself. He's a singular entity. Yeah. He is, pro- he probably will be the most famous basketball player who will ever live. I, I kind of assume, like, I think in terms of fame, LeBron will end up giving him a run for his money just because of the youth, the youthfulness and the amount that LeBron puts himself out there uh, socially and politically, but... Let's see LeBron have a flu game. Okay, no, yeah. LeBron has not had a flu game. Uh, I don't think LeBron has quite the shoe empire that Jordan does either. Yeah, but he is going to have his own Space Jam. Uh, possibly, yes. I think this is this was born slightly to like hit on uh, what was recently the 20th anniversary of the movie. Yeah, they um, showed it again in theaters, and I went to see it in a Times Square theater once again. Wow. What was the uh, the audience like for that? Uh, there wasn't much of one. Really? <laughs> no, it's one of those, um, you know how sometimes they'll show a Broadway show? Phantom events. Phantom, it was a phantom event, yes. Phantom. Th- fathom, sorry. Yeah. Yes. A fathom event. So um, I went, I think, to the same theater to see Purple Rain, mm-hmm. which they re-released like, the day after Prince died. Yeah. And that was genuinely the best movie theater experience I've had all year. Oh, no. this I mean, this one I wouldn't say ranked up with that or anything. It was a very, uh, you, they, there weren't a lot of us there. It's, <laughs> it's Space Jam. Yeah. But yeah. is it like the time is ripe to re-mention it or something? Because there's the hints dropped that, yeah, LeBron James will star in a Justin, Justin, Lin, Justin directed. Lin directed sequel mm-hmm. to the movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's the 20th anniversary is what's going on. That's why everyone's talking about it right now. And we're kind of in another... Is this another golden age-ish of basketball, given, like, LeBron and Steph? We're not, I'm not the right person to ask. It could be. Well, because <laughs> I'm not an avid basketball watcher, but um, I, was, I was as a child in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I, I had a Michael Jordan poster on the wall of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I was a very—I th- I believe I even had a Chicago Bulls jacket that I wore in the winter. Very nice. I was a, I was a big fan. And uh, I think the 90s were sort of like the height of basketball, like basketball's like popularity. Right. And um, so, yeah, but this just, you know, having not paid a ton of attention to it over the years, but more recently it has felt like it's been really big, like like it's had, I guess, cultural saturation in a way that Mm -hmm. it might not have since the 90s. And I think, uh, you know, the... uh, you know, the announcement of, of a new Space Jam in the, in the works does, you know, signal that. It has, like, settled in, like, PCBs in the Hudson River. So that it's, <laughs> it's toxically permeated culture, and it's being stirred up again. And uh, fish are coming out of the river with three eyes. <laughs> which is a metaphor for fandom? I don't know what I'm I saying. Yeah, but... uh, well, I'll let you. I'm going to let you have that one. I think, so... One of the things that I've really enjoyed, I've watched Space Jam a lot. I don't know why. Like it come, I yeah. You've revisited this. I, I like, watch it like a lot. more recently than most. Yeah, I. So, because all the Thirty for Thirties, which is the ESPN uh, series of sports documentaries that they 
release. They're all available on Netflix, and every so often I just like to go in and watch one about a sport that I don't give a shit about or wouldn't normally give a shit about. And basketball is one of those sports. I don't understand it. I don't understand why a game that is basically tied until the last five minutes is interesting to anyone. Um, it's not for me. I'm a baseball person. But so I watched the one about the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys of basketball, I think it was called, or something like that. And then I watched, which talked about the rivalry between the Detroit Pistons and the Chicago Bulls in the late 80s, early 90s-ish. There was some white dude who was like an asshole on that team, and he would like... On the Pistons? I think on the Pistons. There was some, there was some white dude who would like elbow people in the face and shit, and uh. like do all that shit. Um, and then I watched Jordan Rides the Bus, which was like great because it just sort of like showed this nice progression of like sports and then specifically basketball through the early 90s. And Jordan Rides the Bus, if you watch that one, really holds, gives a really good background for Space Jam, in my opinion. Of that mid-90s period? Well, yeah, of like Michael Jordan's career and why maybe Space Jam ended up coming together. Like, do you guys know the full story of why he turned to baseball? No. Um, beyond saying, I feel like I've reached my peak in the sport and I want to try something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that is, he did want to try something new. He, and also, so apparently the 92 Olympics, the dream team, that whole thing was like wore him out a lot apparently, and he was just, like, really tired and exhausted after that. But one of the main things that happened was, and I guess I was too young, we were all too young to remember this, was that his father was murdered at, like, a truck stop. I forgot about yeah. that. Oh, man, right. So his father was murdered at a truck stop in, like, North Carolina or something by two men. So his father had died, and I guess one of his father's, like, wishes was for him to play baseball, like as a kid. That was his father's dream for him. Kind of shocking that wasn't included in Space Jam. I, yeah. It I kind mean, of was. With the well, his father at the beginning. You know, oh, I mean, you I mean the murder of the father. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I can see why it wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense to me. And then we cut to the Looney Tunes. <laughs> right. <laughs> gritty murder scene, and then Bugs Bunny going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that noise was. Um, but yeah, so... His father was murdered, and it was, like, a pretty traumatic incident, as it would be when your father <laughs> yeah, is yeah. murdered. Um, and so it, that was part of the thing that really spurred his decision to go play in the minors. Um, I'm reading now, yeah. His dad was murdered on July 23rd, 93. Um, and he then started playing. He signed a minor league contract with the White Sox on February 7th, 94. So it was like a six, basically a six months period, six month period between that and his decision to go to the minors. There seems to be some correlation there. Yeah. So it just to me, like that adds like a nice, like Space Jam is not a great movie. It's a stupid plot, I like of a movie. I have like I enjoy it, but I'm not gonna try to defend it. But I do think it's important to maybe understand why he was okay with telling that as like this aspect of his story on screen because clearly it had like a deep personal thing for him right it's just so like that does dimensionalize the the context with which space jam grew out from which space jam grew up yeah. but like it still is a bizarre totally just a bizarre thing to have grown from that soil yeah, yeah. Yes, so I agree. <laughs> yeah wait matt when did you last see space jam before this revisit uh, it had been um gosh i, I must have watched it on like tv Maybe 
like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, it's been like 10 plus years since I've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'd seen it since the one time I saw it in theaters as a child. Mm. And uh, I don't. I never owned it on VHS. I don't think I ever rewatched it. I liked it when I saw it in 1996. I had the VHS because um, it had the like holographic or like special cover, right? It had ah, like a cool. Yes, yeah. does. Yeah, it was a nice VHS. Yeah, I think, we, I think we owned it. Jake, do you remember? I don't remember. I don't <laughs> Matt, think Matt's did. brother is just sitting here good. reading a book. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember owning Space Jam. Yeah, okay. and um, I caught about half an hour of it on TV a couple months ago. And, um, but beyond that, uh, this, this morning was the first time I've watched it in exactly 20 years. That's crazy. I can't believe you guys haven't revisited this one. I don't know why this, like, Matt was saying the same thing earlier. Like when I watched it and obviously I've seen it more than him. It's like the princess bride for me where like, I know exactly what's coming. I know exactly what beats are about to be hit, what lines are about to be said. For some reason, this one has just stuck with me. I feel like with me, I've always been pretty confident it wasn't going to hold up. <laughs> so I just decided not to put myself through it. I feel like we do also, we run the spectrum here where I think, Kendra, you're pretty, you're pretty positive about the movie. I think Pat's a little more on the critical side. And then I'm, I'm very, con- like, super ambivalent. Like, I'm, not, I'm not like I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and like defend it as a good movie. No, but no, it no, is no, something no. that like I don't mind sitting down and watching. I can't fault anyone for enjoying this. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm more. I think I'm mostly confused by its existence. <laughs> okay. Well, there's so like there's so much uh, analysis of this film in existence because it's such a sh- it's a pretty short movie. Yeah. And it it had a lot of weird staying power and appeal to a lot of people. And there was never anything. I mean, stylistically, there was. Like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and right. and Cool World, Cool World, right? And um, but you know, a movie that you know starred the world's most famous athlete and combined him with a bunch of beloved cartoon characters in like a animation live action hybrid. That's <laughs> that has never happened before, and yeah, that it, it's like it's it's alone in that, and so, it's so cool on paper. Like that's such a cool idea. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so and it has and it's so significant to people of our generation because we all saw it and there was nothing else like it. So we all remember it really well. And most people I I found have fond memories of it and have also not revisited it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan, like alone was just a very, very important figure in that era. So, yeah. So this comes like his triumphal return to basketball yeah, they must. He must have known he was going to do this and agreed to be part of this production of this film because it came out in '96, the year after he joined. Right. right. That movie must have taken, including animation, a year. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, right, and that, that makes it even weirder. It's not just oh, Michael Jordan's in a movie with the Looney Tunes. It's oh, Michael Jordan. Like, the Looney Tunes are part of this fictionalized, like, movie that fictionalizes an an actual part of Michael Jordan's career. Right, elides the tragedy that made him come back to basketball, and instead of his father's death motivating him to, you know, join baseball, and then it's like, he's just sort of, like, having a career change, and then just the Looney Tunes make him want to. Right, and the Looney Tunes re-inspire him to play the game that he loves so much. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the Looney Tunes... It's the Looney Tunes, but is it also the specter of slavery? Wait, hold on. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to say, side note, 
Kendra has written papers about this. I've, yeah. yeah, I've literally written papers about black mascul- masculinity in this movie. Kendra, like, I went, Kendra and I went to college together, and I remember her writing a Space Jam paper. Yeah, there's. I just think there's a lot of like, I my overarching like thought coming away from this movie every time I watch it is that for a movie that is a stars a black man is about mostly black men. It is very blasé about the concept of slavery. They drop the term slavery. Tons. Frequently, yes. There is a lot of imagery involving shackles and chains. Yep, and he is literally like playing. It's there. The choice is. It's such a stark choice. Like there are two choices: like slavery or basketball. But it was extra weird because, like, I mean, I mean, it's 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 Space Jam. They're they're they're. It's all like yeah, the subtext that we can read. But like, what was actually shown on in the movie was like a lot of like cushy. Like golf courses and like yeah. nice big old homes and like though those homes what was like really interesting to me so that we do there's a scene where you see Michael Jordan like drive up to his home and probably I'm assuming like the Chicago suburbs endearing or, family man Michael Jordan with yeah, his with his wacky dog and his <laughs> and his little scamps of children running around not the Michael Jordan of reality no, but I mean, that's I, another can I just point out they do like a Sam Raimi style POV shot from the dog <laughs> with a super wide angle lens charging across the lawn at him yeah that but, is a really wacky little gag to put into this movie but to the point of that being like he drives up to this home it's a very nice home on like a tree lined street. If you have ever seen pictures of Michael Jordan's real home, like, Wayne Knight gets out of the car and he's complimenting it. He's like, this is nice. This is nice. Yeah, what is this, Colonial? This home is smaller than, first of all, smaller than 99% of the homes on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And they have much less money than Michael Jordan. It looks like it should be his carriage house. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen pictures of his real house, it... It opens with a fence with that has a gold-plated 23 on it. And then, like, you drive up a long driveway past the tennis courts and the swimming pools to his mont, like, to his manse that just sprawls out across all this land. This home looked about the size of the house that I grew up in, which I'm not criticizing him for it. It's just, like, the image that he was trying to portray in this movie was so much not... Well, not who Michael Jordan was. Right. Because, okay, because I want to link how the Looney Tunes were involved, because Joe Pitka, the director, like, okay, he, Michael Jordan has been making commercials forever, and so his image He's got that is, Nike deal. Yeah, his image is, this is obviously some sort of cross-platform synergy that they're trying to do, where, like, his image is tied with the Looney Tunes because they had just done a commercial for... Well, in in 92, there was a, a Nike commercial right, called, right. called Hair, H-A-R-E, Jordan, which was Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan teaming up to play basketball together. Mm-hmm. And uh, same director as the movie, as Matt said, Joe Pitka. And that was, side note, we were reading like uh, an oral history of, yeah. of, uh, of Space Jam before this as research, <laughs> and we learned this. But yeah, but that was the first time that, uh, that they were paired together, and so that was like the genesis of this concept. And that commercial alone is, is really great and funnier than Space Jam in a lot of ways. But also like... <laughs> I, I am now more sympathetic to how executives could have seen chemistry between Michael Jordan and cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I was like pretty baffled by the concept. I've always been baffled. And then that, and I remember seeing this commercial on TV and I was like, oh yeah, that's really funny and kind of good and snappy. I like it. Right. Right. So yeah. anyway, that's why he's the lovely family man who just comes home and hangs his hat on the hook right. and is like, whew, honey, another, 
Another rough tough day, day of, trying to play baseball. Yeah. Rough day on the diamond. Also, there's kind of a confusing little beat there where uh, Michael arrives home and the dog runs out, and then this woman runs out of the house. Who that, I thought was his wife. Exactly. Yeah. He seems like his wife. Oh, that's clearly the grandma. She, I was like old, and I was like, she's like a four and a half. Michael, you need your ten. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah but but to, but a woman runs out of the house, and she does not look look old, uh-huh. and um, she's like maybe I guess older than him, but does not look like an old person. And I just assumed also she's only shown in a wide shot, and I yeah. assumed I was like, okay, that's his wife. And then a van pulls up, and another woman gets out, and that's his wife. Yes. And I feel like just maybe this is me as a filmmaker, but Please. that was a lazy filmmaking choice because they should have realized like, oh wait, this woman running out of his house. People might think that that's his wife. No, I think what happened was they probably crowd tested it with black people, and we all knew instantly that that woman was a grandma who was putting her foot in some food. Okay. Or that. <laughs> like, that was clearly a grandma. <laughs> that's a youthful grandma. Yeah. I'm just going to say. That's about how old my grandmother looks. All right. Okay. <laughs> we all turn into mummies at, after 50, I guess. I mean, yeah, I forgot you guys were... White and aging like it, so. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, and it, so it begins. Yeah, uh, we made it so long before. Well, you Disparaging know. Disparaging remarks. Uh, <laughs> I blame you and your ovarian cysts comments. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, you really, you started it. It's funny, it's a shock, you shock them in, you grab them. Matt, if you, like, aspiring shock shock. <laughs> <laughs> so, Space Jam doesn't make sense. It made more sense after learning that. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously... It coincided. There's two readings of this movie that I found. Uh, there's the people that are very cynical and have like gleefully taken it down as this like shitty cash grab, where a bunch of like marketable merchandisable characters are shoved into a movie. Um, and then there's like the weird euphoric utopian people who are like, this is an accidental masterpiece of you know, live action cartoon kids filmmaking or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't call and it. I'm a- in the middle. It's not a masterpiece, but what I will say is, rewatching this, it came out in 96. Clearly, Disney, like, they were, all of their stuff was hand-drawn up to a point, so they were working on shit, you know, for years and years in advance. But watching the head monster at the theme park in the... Yeah, Danny DeVito. What's his name? Like, Mr. Like, Shackle something? Yeah, like, something like that. Um, We'll look this up. Yeah. yeah, but so that character and his interactions with the eventual Monstars when they're, like, tiny and minion-y, mm-hmm. it's the same, like, voice and action as James Wood as Hades in Hercules. Oh, which totally. Which came out a year later. Oh, yeah. And Danny DeVito's character's name is Mr. Swackhammer. Swackhammer! Okay. But yeah, so, like, I don't want to say that Disney saw this and was like, let's just do it ten times better. Well, but I mean, also, they're in production at, like, the same time. Yeah, much. but it was also, like, the same thing. Yeah. What they make a jet what Oh, they da- say that's what kind of uh Mickey Mouse organization would name their, their sports team teams after ducks. At the ducks, yeah. So there's Mighty a little ducks Disney jab. Yeah, there's a little Disney jab. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I should see that movie eventually. The Mighty Ducks? Yeah. Have you seen none of them? None. Oh my god. Uh uh D two in particular is the classic. <laughs> Yeah. Never I mean, seen it. I, I mean, you haven't experienced the joy of the knuckle puck. Nope. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, uh, Keenan Thompson's finest moment. It's aside knuckle puck time. Aside from heavyweights. <laughs> never seen that. Which either. I've never seen. Oh, God. You but guys. I heard it came on Netflix like, like last week. So I know what I'm doing tonight. Okay. 
anyway, back to Space Jam. Space Jam, um, Space Jam is 88 minutes long, I think. It's, <laughs> it's actually 80 minutes long. Uh, there's an eight-minute intro, it feels like, <laughs> where they play... It's a great intro. Wait, are you talking about the opening scene or the, the title sequence? Well, you know, actually... The title sequence with, like, the names and the, ba- like, the weird 90s, like, basketball decals and the, shit. On the the title sequence where Bugs Bunny has second billing and no other Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> Real human person, Bugs Bunny. Exactly. Credited over Wayne Knight. Yeah. Bill, Mur- Bill Murray. Bill Murray not credited. Not credited. Yeah. <laughs> Come on and jam. Nope. Come on and slam, and welcome to the jam. Oh, see, I don't even... Do the words matter? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't think yeah. so. Slam and jam are said a ton. Is, J- Space, Jam, <laughs> is Space Jam like um like when Marvel did Secret Wars, where they like just like slammed two words I, together? Jake and I had this exact conversation this morning. Is it true, though? Um. Oh, I, I have no idea, but, but it makes sense because... I mean, space is cool, right? Space is kind of involved in it, but the the Looney Tunes never go into space. Michael Jordan never goes into space. There are aliens from space, right. but uh, right. there's not a lot of space in this movie. No. And Jam was like a relevant '90s, you know, like NBA Jam, the video game series. Yeah, yeah it was good. And then where you could catch on fire and stuff. Or the like Michael that. Jackson song Jam. Exactly, and all, Jam, so Jam and Earl. Yeah, <laughs> Jam is not a word that's used in relation to basketball nearly enough at these days. Yeah, do people say jamming as like an exclamation at any point in what? the nineties? Well, <laughs> do you mean like slamming? You mean as reference to like the Bob Marley song? <laughs> maybe I mean no. Maybe I mean slamming. And uh, well, slammers from Pogs. Yes, exactly. Oh okay, and uh, oh yeah, but uh, but we were thinking about like the the genesis of this you know this title, and it kind of reminds us of. Genesis Brief little little uh, little nerdy backstory. Uh, the, the first ever comic book crossover event, Secret Wars, that Marvel did in the eighties. The title was formed when uh, they did focus group testing and <laughs> discovered that the two words that most appealed to to like children or like, yeah. like, like readers were secret and wars. Oh, and yeah. so they decided to combine them and then form a story around that. <laughs> the most potent demo title ever made. Exactly. Kids love secret. Kids love wars. Yeah, it's a secret war. war. Let's slam them together. But that's the kind of cynical shit that like definitely feels present in the in Space Jam. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and also we, we learned from this oral history that apparently they they almost, you know, the movie was almost called Up in the Air. And Which, that's like that's almost like long before the George fucking, Clooney movie. Yeah, the yeah. Clooney thing. It's a much better George Clooney movie because it's a mean. It's such a. It feels so means tested and focus grouped to oblivion. Well, bit. I mean that was Michael Jordan's like whole persona, like focus tested to a T. He was like, he was not like LeBron James. He was super apolitical and just like one of those like everybody should like me so i'm not going to do anything controversial ever right. except for like in his personal life yeah right well being yeah a his gambler. lived life wait yeah. w- what was even the uh the tagline to space jam isn't it like it's time to jam oh i'm or, sure or again something that means nothing get ready to get jam. ready to jam yeah they jammed I believe there was jamming. Yeah. What is jamming in the in the in the in this movie? In the context, is it of, just slam dunking? It, is, I think is it so. is it just playing basketball? No, like jamming the ball through the hoop. You slam dunk it. Jam. No, you, 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 slam you, you, jam. Jam it. You slam it. Through yeah. The hoop. Slam it. No, you yeah. jam it. <laughs> you slam jam. They say slam jam in the song. But it's also the song goes "Welcome to the Jam." So the jam is like it's also the a game. noun. So maybe it's just Get. them spelling. Welcome taking to... a G and making a J sound. Game. Jam. No. Oh, <laughs> oh Kendra. This, this, this is a reach. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's... That's more of a reach than Michael Jordan man at the end. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 
Bums was all long. <laughs> that was amazing. That was pretty great. Um, that was great. So on that note, we're gonna take a break really quickly, um, and then we're gonna come back. We're gonna and talk actually about, talk about the movie. No, we talked about the movie. We're gonna keep. We're gonna continue to talk. We're gonna okay. talk about some music. We're gonna talk about uh, a little bit of like OJ Simpson stuff. We're just. We're gonna go through it. All right. Yeah, we've not scratched the surface. Basketball Jones, I got a basketball Jones, I got a basketball Jones, ooh baby, ooh. Hey guys, if you've enjoyed uh, the episode so far and you've got some thoughts, uh, feelings, corrections, definitely corrections, we, we don't research, um, that you would like to send to us, we can be reached at kidstablepod at gmail.com or we can be reached on Twitter at kidstablepod. So that's for you to send questions and 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 Matt, what else do we want? Uh, just thanks for listening. Like us on platforms and uh, we're your friends and come hang out with your friends. <laughs> yeah, come hang out with us guys. <laughs> we're just very legitimately and sincerely your friends and you know us really well. Yep, and so that's kidstablepod at gmail.com. And on Twitter, it's at kidstablepod. Thanks, guys. Love you. Jones. Hey, Obsession. A burning desire. Bye, you want some chicken? The undeniable passion. Oh, you know that second stuff. For someone or something. You know you want some chicken? He was a victim of a fast Okay. <clears throat> and we're back. Yes, from my wonderful... So, I just want to say, we've upgraded to a two-mic setup. It's not perfect, but I do love the fact that I am lounging on the couch now that we're talking about Space Jam. Matt and I are hunched over a microphone on the counter. Right, like proper, you know... Podcasters. Radio journalists, like Edward R. Murrow. Yeah. We're not smoking. We, we don't smoke, kids. I want to dive right into uh, a thought I had while watching the movie. Uh... <laughs> Because because it opens with a young Michael Jordan in 1973 shooting hoops in his backyard, um, in a very like grounded feeling sort of like sports movie like feel good sports movie kind of way, uh, I I realized that there hasn't been a Michael Jordan biopic. There's been like a TV installment sort of. It was like a like a an ABC Family movie or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. But what I thought of was like initially. What would have been amazing is just a straightforward Michael Jordan biopic about the horrible shit that went on in his life. And has there ever been a biopic in which the he could have played himself as like an actor? Well, I don't think he's a good. Well, I don't think he's a good enough actor. Well, there's Eminem. That I mean, who played himself in like his sort sort of biopic. Right. It's like kind of uh, embellished. Well, that's what you're asking. Has a person ever played the Yeah, like, could Michael own? Jordan have been his adult self in his own biopic? Like, has right. anyone done that in a biopic before? Yeah, I guess just Eminem. Uh, well, uh, oh, 50 Cent. 50 Cent. Yeah, 50 Cent. Oh, Lest we man. forget. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm sure there's been other ones, too. We would just have to kind of... I'm sure, like, Howard Hughes tried to. That just sounds like <laughs> yeah. that just sounds like something Howard Hughes would have tried to just do. Just shaky hand cams of him kissing into a <laughs> bottle. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it seems to usually be like if that happens, it's people who you know, like no, non-actors who are getting into acting right. and um, megalomania. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like I'm sure Michael Jackson also, had he lived long enough, would have tried to. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone thought Purple Rain was a biopic. It wasn't. 
Nope. <laughs> well, that's an insane thing no, to think. No, you'd be surprised. Like, a lot of people, like, were really, like, they attached themselves to Purple Rain in a, in a way that they, like, really felt that was a representation of his life. A lot of people think that he's the princess mixed race yeah, because, because of, of Purple, Purple Rain. Rain. Holy shit, really? Yeah. yeah. Yep. My girlfriend pointed out that uh, there's a more... Um, Abuse of women in that movie than I had than I had paid attention oh, to before. Yes, women getting thrown into dumpsters and and lakes hit and thrown into <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, she goes into that lake willingly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it is a nasty little trick by impish prince, and he drives it away. Is. <laughs> I always feel bad for laughing when Jerome throws the woman in, in the the dumpster. Yeah, but it's it's also funny. Yeah. It's you know cartoonish. where there's not a lot of abuse of women because there aren't really women? Space Jam. Space Jam. Yeah, well, there is one notable female character. Yes. Should we, we address her now? Oh, Lola? Well, can, what? What do you want first? Do we want to bring... Can we? Should we bring people to the Tuniverse or whatever the fuck they're at? The, like how you Toontown? got... How, how Michael Wait, Jordan no, it's gets... Not, it's not Toontown. Toontown is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's Who Framed Roger yeah. Rabbit. This is just the Looney Tunes world. That they live inside the earth. Yeah. They all live in the same place. Yeah. Now, now, now we have a mythology to apply to all Looney Tunes shorts that takes well, away some of the fun. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, I, it retcons like, like, like they leave their own show because it's constantly being filmed. Apparently, oh, I remember because they leave the, they leave the TV show like the kids turn on Saturday morning cartoons or whatever. Oh yeah, and yeah. then they realize that they're they all have to fight the monsters and have a community meeting. Right, despite the fact right. that those are syndicated cartoons that were made thirty years earlier. Yeah, but no, but I think that that's fine because it sort of is just playing with the idea like that duck amok introduced. Oh, yeah, where... th- th- like I'm pretty much fine with that. I am a little annoyed. Like, I just think like I I like Looney Tunes a lot, and I do feel like you know applying this sort of like rigid mythology sure, right. to them like yeah. takes away a little bit of the fun. I mean, none of us. I don't think this movie was trying to apply a rigid mythology. No, but when you okay, <laughs> well, you know, they all like it gives them all a specific world in a specific place that 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 they live in. It's like you can go to the Looney Tunes world, you know, rather than them just being like these like anarchic cartoon characters. <laughs> I mean, I always kind of assume that they lived in a like cartoon world like cuz they all they're all always interacting with each other. Sometimes there were crossovers. Like, I assume that they all could hang out. And well, no, what they also, wanted. like, seem to, like, a bunch of them, like, take place in, like, major cities and stuff like that. What's mm. confusing is what what makes the, the, what makes, like, I don't care, yeah. If, you, if you're <laughs> trying to apply, like, rigid rules to cartoons that are just fun and they're Looney Tunes. They're not. They're it's Looney. Like, I read so many stupid little opinion pieces where people were, like, pissed off because, like, Yosemite Sam used his guns during a basketball game. And, stuff. Also, and it's and just, like, like <laughs> fuck off. Like, th- that isn't the problem. They're like, they, like, Pepe Le Pew, like, goaltended. Uh, <laughs> There's also zero referees in the game. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, like, Marvin the Martian was, like, calling it, maybe, for a little <laughs> bit. And, the, like, and then he got killed. So that's, that's yeah, nitpicking in a dumb, boring way. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Can't, no, you can't nitpick this movie in that. Right. I, I mean, like, I do stand by the idea that Looney Tunes are not meant to be in 90-minute-long narrative stories. They, it's just not the form they were meant to exist. That's what Chuck Jones was complaining about after he saw the movie. Right. Oh, I didn't realize he got to see it. He was salty about it, too. He didn't like it. Um, well, well I, I mean, to me, the movie's biggest crime is that the Looney Tunes aren't funny. They do basically nothing that's funny in this movie. Right. They're just They're essentially... You know, just watered down versions of like, you know, their original selves. It's yeah. like they, they they say the thing, they say their catchphrases, and they do stuff that's like what they used to do. But I think, with maybe the exception of 
Daffy Duck. He he's uh, Daffy Duck was the funniest Looney Tune. Yeah, I still think the funniest thing any of the actual cartoon characters do in the entire movie is the little mouse. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he pops off his little chest and then exactly. he gets so big and ready to go. It's that that made me laugh. Well, I think the problem, like what you're hitting on, is just an issue that the Looney Tunes overall have, which is that they're the artists first of all, and then the voice actors were so iconic from their original uh, inception right. that you can't translate that. No it's Looney like, Tunes stuff since then has. Yeah. has even close to touch that. You, you can't try. It's like trying. It's like when they changed um, that. Oh, Kevin Clash. Like when Kevin Clash wasn't Elmo anymore, it was like right. Super or when the noticeable. Dang Rugrats got so cute. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. Dang Rugrats. It always comes back to Matt and the Rugrats. Oh Steve to this day. Matt, <laughs> Matt when, when's your uh, your Rugrats podcast happening? Soon. Wait, you, you, you should just do. It. You should do a thing like on You Talking You Two to Me, where it's like, oh, is this an episode of Matt Talks Rugrats? <laughs> Listen, okay, okay sorry, I, I, not to get distracted by that. Um, no, I like more like broadly speaking, it's not that the Looney Tunes necessarily need to like abide by rules or something. Mm-hmm. It's more that because they're intersecting with the supposed real world, uh, it, it gets really weird and complicated, like... Yeah, I don't care about, like, a coherent, canonical mythology for the uni- Looney Tunes' existence, but, like, they live in the center of the Earth, and they kind of come and go through the human world, and and, and no one... Through a golf part of what's Part of what's funny, and also what's kind of lame in the movie, is that sometimes it's really funny that people don't react when they see Daffy Duck walking through a golf course, or see a spaceship fly over a baseball field, uh... But a lot of the time, it just makes it super unclear and weird what's going on or, like, what people believe or are aware is real. Oh, right. like, in other words, you don't know whether the humans actually... Like, you're... you're when Michael Jordan gets sucked into a hole right. in the golf course and gets sucked into Looney Tune World, and it's funny that Larry Bird and Bill Murray don't give a shit, it seems right. like, and just drive away and play through. Mm-hmm. And Wayne Knight is the only one who's freaking out. But, but like... But like, but then when the kids see the Looney Tunes, they're fine. When Michael sees them, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, uh, once again, we're th- overthinking this this but movie. But that's the fun of it. I mean, what yeah. else are we gonna do? But like, <laughs> but just like, so Moron Mountain is just kinda like <laughs> over there, and they'll they'll just casually come over here. It's like one extra planet past our moon. Is, right. Is, more, is, is alien life. Is a theme park. Yeah. yeah, it's very close to Earth. That we could... Okay, that, you can't blame Space Jam for having weird instances of alien life. We lived through the Independence Day generation. Like, this aliens... Let's not try to apply logic to the al- placement of the aliens in these right. movies. It's just, I'm, well, uh, this, I'm gonna... All of this kind of leads over to, I think, my, my biggest thought about this movie, which is... And having read the oral history, I know this is not the case. <laughs> this sounds like... But, mythology. But it really, really feels like this was a first draft of a script that was never rewritten <laughs> or never thought about again and written in like a two-week period because there, there are so many places. W- As an example, the movie opens with a flashback to little Michael Jordan wanting to be a pro basketball player and that his father's there. And it really seems like this is going to tie into something or has set up something, some sort of motivation that will then come back later. Mm-hmm. Never referenced again. It's I mean, just to add some emotional content. No, I, no, it's, yes, it's to add the emotional part, but I have the feeling that maybe Michael Jordan, like, said, 
we're going to pay a tribute to my dad. Oh, it, it was totally that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Oh, it, it, which, and I think that's fine. Yeah. And, but like, any decent screenwriter would then tie that into, I mean, it, it's pretty easy, like, as in like, okay, late in the movie, Michael could need some sort of inspiration or something and could think back to <laughs> to his father or whatever, or to that moment. You could have right. a, f- a flashback to that. The biggest thing that bugs me is so, and I know, Matt, this bugged you as well, it takes until the climax of the movie for Michael Jordan to realize he can use cartoon physics. Oh, my God. And there is <laughs> such, and, and, and the thing is, that's basically his, like, you know, end of the Matrix moment where he realizes that he what he can do, and right it's there a, is no spoon for Michael at the end, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. such a shame that they didn't have this uh, a running thing throughout where Michael's learning and trying to understand how to use cartoon physics, and then finally at the climax he gets it and he does it and he wins the game rather well, than just. It's it's like they're just they're stuck when they're writing it, it in their first draft, which is all they use, and we're just like, uh, oh wait, wait, what if he stretched too? Because they can all do that, and then just wrote it in, and they're like, cool, that's done. Well, I'm wondering if maybe that was because when the monsters at the beginning like squished him into the basketball, they did the animation for that, realized, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> we cannot do much more of this. Or they and then the... immediately cut the rest of it. But out. you could still do it where. You know, he he still isn't able to do it mm-hmm. for the whole movie, and then he just does it at the end. Okay, it's and then just, Wayne Knight gets the the the, the deluxe CGI <laughs> yeah. treatment at the end. He does. He yeah, really right. does. Yeah. Which is also, I remember being a kid. Wayne Knight looks so fucked up when he does that. <laughs> it's so scary. CGI Wayne Knight. Oh, I like, like mid '90s CGI Wayne Knight. He's all flat, and his little eyes are moving around. Oh, yeah, and he's dirty and burnt and stuff oh, too. Oh god, I yeah. hated it so much. Yeah. Speaking of uh, of of other humans playing basketball, can we talk about the shining star of this movie? There was one ray of light, American <laughs> treasure, hero, comedic Uncr- genius, uncredited. Uncredited in the film, probably by desire or design. He, listen, this is a man who loves Chicago. He just (laughs) wanted to spend some time with his heroes. He loves sport. He loves Midwestern cities. His name, he loves umbrella hats. His name is Bill Murray. Bill Murray. And he is wonderful. He is so funny. He's real great. He elevates... (laughs) Every second that he is on screen, yep. so much because you've been watching many minutes of Michael Jordan acting, sort of wryly smirking and <laughs> and not commensurate to his circumstances, reacting exactly to things. And then suddenly we get to the scene where it's just Bill Murray, Larry Bird, probably maybe maybe a lesser actor than, than Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, and but uh, terrible. He was just being asked to play himself. Right. Exactly. But uh, but you got and suddenly Bill Murray's there. Playing golf with them and just making it so much more watchable and yeah. doing and and taking these not great lines but making them funny. Yeah. And yeah. Like making decisions that only he can do because he just is, knows how to be funny. Yeah. Exactly. Like holding his golf shot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just like that. I, I mean, showing up on the set in that umbrella hat, which I'm sure is what happened. As, yeah. a, as a child who had never seen an umbrella hat before, that was the funniest thing I'd ever yeah. seen. <laughs> no one handed him that umbrella hat. He bought that in Chinatown on his way to JFK and just said, you know what? This seems like something that I can work with. He's exactly. loonier than a lot of Looney Tunes. He is, <laughs> he is. way loonier. I mean, his, in, like, uh, when he arrived, my favorite one of the, the whole film is when he arrives to save the day when they need one more player and it just, 
They're all worried, and just cuts to Bill Murray in a uniform already, just going da 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 da. It's great. It's so good. And, and you're just like, how'd you get down here? And he's like, Bill Murray magic. No, yeah. he, he's just like, oh, I'm friends with the producer. Oh yeah. right, that's right. He yeah. even has an explanation. That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Murray gets the final line of the movie. Let's go, Bulls. <laughs> I'm not even um, gonna uh, attempt to do it. I think, like, I'm not trying to. I, I know this maybe maybe I'm trying to sound like cool and hipstery, but I am not. This isn't revisionist history. Like I remember being eight and watching the movie, and yeah, I, the movie didn't stick with me. But every single moment that Bill Murray was on screen as an eight-year-old registered as like super quality and totally. funny. And I that is the shit that stuck with me was like almost nothing that really stuck with me about the movie was animated material. Yeah, I remember when I saw it. Yeah, Let's Old- Go Bulls is. Is something that I've remembered from my, my whole life since I was eight years old. Exactly <laughs> that. I uh, you know I don't play defense. J- the hat, and like yeah, what stuck me was everything Bill Murray did. And then I remember because as a child, Bugs Bunny was my favorite Looney Tune, and I was annoyed that he never scored a basket in the game. Oh, oh. man, you're right. He doesn't. Yeah. Second oh, billing doesn't score doesn't once. Contribute. Can I he tee you up for the player. the other awesome Bill Murray line about Larry Bird? I think I'm blanking on this. Yeah. How am I blanking on this? Wait, hold on. Maybe you'll remember. Uh, Bill Murray is talking to Michael Jordan while they're on their fancy-ass golf course. And he's like, I could play in the NBA. And then Michael Jordan's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then Bill Murray goes, it's it's because I'm white, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. And then then Michael Jordan goes, what are you talking about? Larry's white. (laughs) And Bill Murray says, Larry's not white. He's clear. (laughs) (laughs) Larry's not white. He's clear. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so happy. It's such a funny well, okay. weird distinction. So I'm going to guess, and I'm not going to like, I don't want to try to make this sound too lofty and like highfalutin, but I'm wondering if that plays back into the I'm not black, I'm OJ thing that would have been big like two, one or two years before that. We because we work in the single decade of the '90s. There's a couple of themes that yeah. keep coming back, and one of them is the OJ <laughs> murder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. OJ Simpson is just gonna come up a lot on this podcast. Which OJ killed? He did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, somebody, uh, two people. Uh, yeah, two people. In the middle of when Michael Jordan retired and yeah. when he came back. Yeah. And so, actually, like, when I was watching this, I was, like, thinking a lot about OJ because he was the last black actor who, like, or, I'm sorry, black athlete who tried to make the transition from athlete to actor. He was so funny in Naked Gun. Yeah, he's, like, pretty good. He's in Roots. He's in Naked Gun. He did, like, a few sitcoms and stuff. Like, he wasn't bad at it. But um, I was just kind of, like, thinking about how that would have been hanging in people's minds like, while watching this, having just had the OJ thing happen. I don't have any, like, backup information about it. I just kept wondering but about it there. as we were. Well, there could be, like, there could have been then a new desire for both, like, a sort of golden boy, just squeaky clean, lovable athlete. Right, right. Maybe, or something that I mean, OJ contributed w- to the popularity. Yeah, because OJ was also just as apolitical as Michael Jordan. Right. But guys, I think in in the time period we're talking about, we're overlooking a very big person here who Gold also Ford. who also fits that bill and had more of an acting career than Michael Jordan did. I'm talking 
Oh, Shaq. About Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, yeah, we haven't. <laughs> that's very fair. We have not hit a Shaq movie yet. Um, we will. We're going to get. Oh, we're totally going to get there. Shaq but we had a rap album. Yeah. Shaq had two movies. Yeah. Shaq, Shaq made Orlando cool right at the time that Nickelodeon was making Orlando cool. And so there's that big convergence of just, like, Florida yeah. being a oh. hip, cool place for kids. Oh, weird. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, like, yeah the on. Orlando Magic, Shaq, Nickelodeon, <laughs> Disney World. Beaches, palm trees. The thing about Shaq, though, is also, like, if you shake him, like, his, there's nothing that's going to rattle between his head. He was dumb as a bag of rocks. Shaq is a national treasure. I yeah. mean, he, I think one of the reasons, like, I would say that Michael Jordan's performance in Space Jam is probably... Ten times better than anything in the Shaq movies that I've seen. I I, I have never seen Kazam, and I've never seen uh, I've, I've seen Steel. Steel, and he's pretty terrible. Like, I saw. Uh, is it Shazam or Sh- Kazam. Kazam. Kazam? Kazam. I saw Kazam. Yeah, he's good. pretty terrible. <laughs> it was I funny. mean, there. I, this actually, it's interesting because now we're thinking. I want to say it was. It may have been the undefeated, which is uh, ESPN's race and sports blog that just did a whole list of basketball players as they appeared in films in the 90s and like Shaq topped the list he's been in so many movies like more than I can even is it usually like cameos and small roles there are a lot of cameos but he's also acting a lot like it's weird oh sorry organic segue speaking of cameos (laughs) sorry uh no no, wait wait wait. I'll go 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 go. okay sorry no I'm just saying that like this was a huge theme in the 90s like it also he got game which is not a kids movie but um is Shaq in that no, he's not in that, but that uh, stars, that stars, the guy who just retired and went to the Hall of Fame, he was plucked by Spike Lee to star in that movie. Um, Denzel Washington. Not Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel played the dad. I know. Um, okay, I can't remember his name, but point being, he had like, game. a thing in the 90s to do this. Yeah. And I thought Michael Jordan was, like, okay. Like, he's not a good actor, but, like... He has shockingly little charisma. Yeah. But he's not awful. No, but he his range is muted to all hell. <laughs> right. When yeah. he's trying to... next, And it just makes you notice more and more how unloony the Looney Tunes are. Because yeah. you're like, well, then it should be radically different when well, he's also, next to these imagine, imagine making your first ever like movie, you're not an actor, and you have to do like, it's all green two-thirds screen. of it green. in front of a green screen. I yeah. sympathize, I do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we, we were looking at these behind-the-scenes photos where it's just Michael Jordan... On a green screen with men in like green suits all around him, like passing the ball and playing the uh, the other characters. Yeah. And it looks like a tough way to act. That had to be. I'm sorry. And then just before we move off the the topic of a- athletes of, as actors, the scene where Charles. So Charles Barkley is the worst human being. I Can love, I read? I, I love Charles Barkley. I hate Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley is the kind of <laughs> Negro who gets on television and tells black people that they don't they don't have to be afraid of the police if they would just respect them. Just pull your pants up. He, See, yeah, exactly. I, I he, just love Charles Barkley when he hosts SNL. No, no. Charles Barkley is a pound cake Negro and I can't deal with him. So the scene <laughs> where he gets humiliated by that group of teenage girls has aged so remarkably well. It is just a beautiful scene. Where they're it's a great scene. As a kid, that bump, that made me legitimately sad. Oh, now it just makes me joyful. Poor they're Round like, Mound. Be gone. <laughs> round. Be gone, this Pretender. Is yeah, be gone. 
Yeah. Oh, and just just to give them their names out, uh, the list of other cameo basketball players: Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing, yeah. Muggsy Bogues, Muggsy Bogues, fucking the most mafia Italian sounding name that is it. Uh, uh, Larry Johnson and uh, Sean Bradley. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I've got to say, I wish the whole movie was just the subplot about the basketball players losing their skill and trying to cope with it. Because and then, the, and then also the. Uh, the uh, isolation like outbreak theme. Yeah, the, 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 they quarantine. Yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, like the, the arena. They're they're there with like psychics and and, <laughs> and psychiatrists. They're there in hospitals. That and they're like pretty much have a little support group. <laughs> yeah. That stuff is significantly funnier than Michael Jordan hanging out with Louis. That's Tunes. the other thing I like distinctly remembered as a kid being eight. I was like, this is funny. Like a bunch <laughs> of really tall, amazing athletes. Talking about their mom okay, and yeah. it's funny, but it also like again like really drives home this like horrible societal thing where it's like all of these black men who now can't play basketball and now have no idea what to do with their lives. Well, it's Michael Jordan is pathologically competitive, and like that was another aspect of him that you right. know people don't like. Yeah, their lives become hollow without. Well, right, but I'm just like it really is like reinforcing this whole like stereotype of like black guys, you're great at basketball and nothing else. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> well, because the, w- I mean, we got to get to this right. So the monsters, they don't become the monsters at first. They're the nerd lux or something. Something like so, that. Yeah. Also, the way they get the name of the monsters is terrible. Well, okay, that's not the important part here, though. I know where Matt is going with this. Right. My <laughs> point is that you know that they're these like like diminutive little ineffectual like worm things, creatures, but they turn into like worms of energy that go into the bodies. They of... Alex Mack it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Yerk Alex Mack. Like they and they like suck into bodies and then they can apparently extract talent, which is the again a first draft concept. Right. Uh, and they suck the talent out of various basketball players that we just listed and they um, put it all store it all in a magic basketball, and then they suck it into their own bodies and basically become black people. (laughs) And they become, like, distinctively vocally black. They were just not, they were just nerdy little, like, sort of nondescript voices and then... Although I think some, a bunch of them were still voiced by white people. Right. Which makes it worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just white people doing, like... Because one of them, one of them is, uh, is, uh, was it Frank Welker, who's the voice of Megatron? Oh, God, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not great. This whole like mo- the implications for black masculinity in this movie are just not. It's not great. Wonderful. It's not what, great. What I was also wondering with the whole like sucking the talent out thing was <laughs> if I uh, if Mike Myers watched this and then decided to get the plot for Austin Powers two. My mojo. I've never yeah. seen yeah. that. It's I uh, they will you know they, they 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 the villains steal Austin Powers mojo and then he is you know basically left like a. Uh, like old Patrick Ewing. That sounds like a terrible the movie. The alien should have sucked Bill Murray's talent out. And then they'd be like funny, there'd be funny parts to them. They're, they're kind of funny, but then they become the monsters. And I like, really you know, hate the one, like, kind of stoner guy. Right, like, the I one who got the white him. guy's power. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the one who also says, are we there yet, multiple times, as if it's going to get funnier, and it doesn't. <laughs> this is his thing. No, yeah. it's his thing. You yep. love it. Um, oh, my! so with the Monstars, when they're sucking uh. the power out of the basketball players, one of my favorite things that sort of puts this, mo- this movie at a moment in history that we will never yet return to is they're talking to their boss, and they're like, we're going to go get the best basketball talent in the world. Cut to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Not the case. Yeah. Anymore since then. Yo, don't be dissing Kristaps Porzingis. 
That is a shitty team. Can, uh, Melo's can gonna take us all the way. <laughs> sure, if he, like he and Derrick Rose don't break their knees again. Guys, stop talking about sports. <laughs> I only know things about the Knicks. No other team. Oh, this is your chance to capitalize, basically. Right. Yes, exactly. No, okay. So can I just recap really quick? What recap? What? Well, I just want to say, like, <laughs> I just want everyone to appreciate. In eighty-eight minutes, more like eighty, uh, there is so much like contortion narratively that needs to happen to get Michael Jordan. A struggling family man making a career transition <laughs> into the plot line of the Looney Tunes playing an intergalactic <laughs> basketball game in an alternate cartoon world in order to escape enslavement. And the fact that that could happen, and I don't know, it's just like, it goes, it's like there's a grounded A story, and then there's a B story, and they merge into an A story that is like hard to swallow. And I'm, I'm thinking about this now, and how do they really convince him? They... they they show like they, they spit after the spit shine. Really, I think is when it is. It's the spit shine happens in the animated gym. They show him the janky gym. They clean it up. Yeah. And then the monsters burst the, in. They turn just him into a basketball. Oh yeah. And once they turn him into a basketball, I think his like he's humiliated and he's like, I'm gonna get you back. And then that's right. When he decides. And then we, which leads to an extended sequence, which is honestly maybe one of the better parts of the movie, mm-hmm. where Bugs and Daffy go into the real world to get his shoes and his shorts. Shorts. Yep. Yes. Yeah, it's the f- the only funny Looney Tune part, I right? Yeah. And also, they had some good banter in that scene. Yeah, there's that, mean. and there's also the actually like technically impressive stuff of having cartoon characters interacting with like opening drawers and turning right. on yeah. lights and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, which is like in a nerdy technical way, I thought that was cool. And uh, but what's funny is they kind of skip the training montage that you'd think would be there where Michael Jordan whips them all into shape well, and they that's, get good. That's the eight minute title sequence. That's your training montage well, right also, there. There's also the, in their banter, there's that funny reference to not seeing royalties. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Again, it's just like a funny little like weird meta like confusion about what the world is, but it's funny. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but it's like, they're really, they're super unprepared when they go into that game. Yeah. He's a horrible coach. He's like, pass it to me and I'll be Michael Jordan. Like, that's like his uh, advice. You'd think they would have, you know, I mean, like, it's a training montage. Like, those are always good. (laughs) Yeah. You can't fail at those. And the only person who's prepared is a weird shoehorned sex object. We've got to talk about Lola Bunny. Maybe three lines that aren't, like... She does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Yeah. Also, and, and her catchphrase is just stolen from Marty McFly. Is it? Yeah, you know, in Don't Back to the Future 2 and 3, yeah, he goes, nobody calls me chicken. And that's his, like, oh, thing. Whenever, right, so, right. whenever someone's called him a chicken, he always, like, stops and turns around. And so that's just it. They just... Yeah, and they're like, well, we did our work in making her powerful and, and, and independent by her not liking being called things like well, sweetheart and Well, yeah, shit. so she doesn't like being verbally sexually harassed is is what this movie is telling well, us. Well, she doesn't her. care about every other form of, like, weird... I mean, she's there to be dog-whistled at for the whole movie. Yeah. And, and like, just have, like, Tex Avery eyes pop she, out. Right. She has, um, <laughs> yeah. She's had, like, a weird resurgence, actually, on the cosplay scene recently. Oh, like, good. I've been seeing a lot of Lola bunnies. Wait. And by a lot, I mean, like, I see two at every con, which and, is a lot And Lola are they bunny. Space Jam Lola Bunny? Yeah, Space Jam Lola Bunny. Well, because what's interesting about her is, um, I... I She's not a good character in Space Jam, and um, it's a shame because like they, there's clearly the point. Like I, it is good to want to like add a female Looney Tune because there pretty much aren't any. Except she's just she, there's zero humor to her. She's just 
you know, there to like, you know, look sexy and then beat everybody and right. stuff. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. But, but <laughs> then, but in, um, but so there's the show from like around like maybe 2010 or maybe 10 or 11, mm. um, the Looney Tunes show on Cartoon Network. It was like the sitcom about the Looney Tunes. Oh, right, man. And, um, I, I saw like maybe two episodes of it where they all kind of, it's, it's just like a 20 minute sitcom but sorry, the Looney Tunes, like, living in a town. But they kind of reconfigured Lola Bunny for that, and she's voiced by Kristen Wiig. And she's, like, she actually has a personality, and she's she actually has, she, she's funny. Whoa. And she's not just the, like, like sort of, like, femme fatale, like, humorless one from mm-hmm. Space Jam. Mm-hmm. And they actually just made her a comedic character. And, uh, which That's is, good. Which is a, f- and a far cry from what she was in Space well, Jam. She, I feel like they, like, commissioned... Like art from some like weird other can deviant art like freak, <laughs> and then right. they were like, "Oh, good, this is some weird like personal drawing for your spank bank. Like we'll like put it in the movie." Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you Google, if you put Lola Bunny in on Tumblr, oh my don't, god, don't, don't, don't do it. You don't get anything unless normal. you want. I mean, unless you unless uh, you need to draw unless you that, like you, that. You know, unless it's your thing, and that's fine. fine. Yeah, if it's yeah. your thing. No, no yeah. kink shaming. Anthropomorphic no animals, shaming. Like, you know, they're sexy. Exactly. Animals. And once again, going back to the the this is clearly a first draft thing. Lola Bunny arrives. No one has apparently ever met her before. No, she's just like a stranger that living in their town. And then she goes and like proves that she's better at basketball and then leaves. Right. And then she leaves. And then she's just back again later. Listen, she came in. She did what she needed to do. She didn't want to stay around those men anymore. She made everyone horny and left. Yeah. Right. What else do women do? (laughs) So, again, uh, poorly written. Yeah. I mean, but she they needed a, a female And that character. said, a lot of little girls thought Lola Bunny was great and yeah. had t-shirts with with her on there. And played basketball because of her. Exactly. So she's, I guess in the end, she served a purpose, and that's good. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, right? I mean, which is how we're trying to, like, split our, our perceptions of the film as, like, now and then. So, like, as a kid, yeah, like, most of what I... Lola Bunny didn't obviously register as... Like a problematic thing, black masculinity <laughs> was not on my radar. I didn't know what that was. I didn't really know how to even voice that. Uh, narrative loopholes and shitty writing was not really a problem. Like you said, it was just sort of this like in the whole like there was just not it, the, the Looney Tunes were funny. Right, and that's right. what I registered. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I want to take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back. We'll do. Um, We'll judge when we come back and we'll just have a little wrap-up conversation. I'm probably going to cut that because I don't like how that came out. But anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Bye. Thanks. Hey guys, um, if you have any questions or comments for us, remember that you can email us at kidstablepod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at kidstablecast. It would be great if you wanted to tweet at us. Any excuse to get Matt back on Twitter would be wonderful. It's never going to happen. I think it's going to. Never say never. But guys, seriously, tweet at us, email us, because we're your best friends. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. Okay, guys. We're back. 
they were having a video game discussion. But we're back <laughs> now, and we're just going to, like, wrap up quickly um, chatting about Space Jam. Thanks for joining <laughs> us for this long, winding journey of this 88-minute movie. Uh, a long, winding jam. Yeah. Well, a long, winding jam. Slam jam. <laughs> um, so we're going to do our judgments uh, quickly. But first, I just wanted to touch on, like, one of the other really important aspects of this movie, uh, something that we will keep seeing throughout the 90s, which is the soundtrack. Because the soundtrack to this movie, despite the fact that slam and jam are used very often and unnecessarily, the music of this movie is all excellent. The movie opens with R. Kelly, um, I Believe I Can Fly. We go into the slamming and jamming song. Um, <laughs> there is what comes after the slamming and jamming. Seals cover of Fly Like, like an Eagle. Eagle? Yeah. yeah, that's um, used I think maybe twice in the movie. Yeah, but just like this sort of like theme. Boop, 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 just like really lightly in the background. Yeah. yeah. Also, the score is by James Newton Howard. Actually, can I talk about a thing that I love about this movie? Sure. Yeah. The cinematographer is Michael Chapman, the guy who shot Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Oh, my God. Oh, well, he fell <laughs> a little far. Um, but, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> this would not rank quite among those. No. 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 Um, but, yeah, so the music in this movie was great. Just kind of wanted to point that out. This, I mean, what would, what would our world be without I Believe I Can Fly? Dude, I'm reading, like, uh, Hit em High, the Monstars Anthem. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm reading that Be Real, Busta Rhymes, Coolio, yeah. LL Cool J, and Method Man were all part of that it's yeah. like a super group jesus christ um chris rock is on like one of the tracks too i forget which one he did basketball jones yeah basketball jones it's barry white and chris rock yep what it's a really i like that's that. not it's in like, the movie right yeah, it is. it's basketball jones yeah oh my it's God. the one that plays when uh like they're all walking through the hospital kind of, the montage of them all being sick right yeah. it's a really stacked yeah good it went platinum six times yeah and shit. it was good I yeah mean, it's a good and you know what like who can blame them it's like all of these like black artists who are like fuck yeah i'm gonna be attached to michael fucking jordan like it's right. 1996 of course you are yeah mm. oh man i there's no other logical choice there. Best thing I miss about the 90s, just, like, the significance of, like, the big soundtracks. Yeah, like, we need the big track for the big movie we're making. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they, I mean, they found it, and I believe I can fly. That, um, that song, he couldn't read to write it, but he did it. Are we spreading rumors? Is he really... Yeah, he's he? really illiterate. It's, like, not actually funny. Like, it's really sad when someone grows up in this country and is illiterate, but he is. He's functionally yep. he illiterate. He might be the most successful illiterate person. Though. Him and Fantasia Barino, yeah. Also, wow. we should probably just, you know, like, add, like, a little, like, footnote that R. Kelly's a monster. Oh, and, oh um, totally, yeah. But we love his music. A I lot mean, of we're the people involved a lot in this of, movie are. We're gonna meet a lot of monsters over our journey. Yeah, in a way, you could say that R. Kelly's a monster. <laughs> you just went from heavy to oh god i'm sorry i'm sorry he, he really is is terrible should, be, terrible should be in prison yeah yeah he he should definitely be serving some jail time he married a, like a 14 year old so we, yep, yep. yeah yeah i mean yep. we're gonna meet bill cosby next week so uh you know it's gonna have, be a whole thing have fun with that guys god, yeah artist and art <laughs> we just, I don't know. Categories are hard. Yeah. Um, so, this movie was a fun thing to rewatch. I'm not sure that any of us are coming out of it thinking that we need to rush off to see a Space Jam 2. Uh, or that, yeah, it should I, be made at all. I mean, 
assuming that Justin Lin does direct it, I will go see it in theaters. I'm just really, I'm personally confused as because Michael Jordan was such a, like a, a, a public persona driven figure. I'm just confused. I don't see how a space jam two starring a potential like LeBron James. I don't see it, how it works. They're such different people. There's such. Will it still be the Looney Tunes? Yeah. No, that's well. That's what kind of what I'm saying. Like LeBron James doesn't strike me as being of the same level of frivolous as Michael Jordan. Right. In any way, and so I'm just I don't see him doing a it, movie like this. I feel like this wouldn't be happening if uh, mid '90s nostalgia weren't at its absolute peak right now. Right. I mean, this was the year that we also got Independence Day, too. Yes. I did so. also, uh, yeah, I read, like, a really snarky Guardian uh, covering of the 20th anniversary screening, where it was just, like, uh, it was sort of, la- it was kind of unfairly, like, lambasting. It was, like, uh, all you millennials with clinical depression that, like, <laughs> need to go uh, just bury yourself in nostalgia to, like, sort of as a solve for this year. Um you know, stay woke and don't go, don't go. It's a shitty movie. <laughs> it was a shitty movie then. It's a shitty movie now. Yeah. Like, but, but so many people, but people of our generation, it's hard they, 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 they usually have extremely positive, like, uh, thoughts about Space Jam because yeah. they haven't watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, um, and so when, yeah, it's, uh, it's still, it's still relevant. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's really interesting. And I think it says some really interesting things about accidentally. Accident, yeah, accidentally, <laughs> definitely not on purpose. It somehow manages to make some interesting commentary on black men and sports and the value of athletics. You have to read the negative space of this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yes. It, by the way, are there, there must be a gif online of Charles Barkley after he gets his talent sucked away, kind of just like flailing a bit. <laughs> right, I yeah. think th- that, that like two second thing of him like, Trying to do physical acting uh-huh. is beautiful. <laughs> he looks like those people that like hit the wall in like merit or like Iron Man competitions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whose body is shut down. <laughs> oh, Charles Barkley, what a horrible human being. Are we doing a childhood adult rating? Yeah, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I don't like, again, like I believe that all of the hate and the love for this movie is kind of like deserved in equal measure. Uh, I watched it. Yesterday, uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I, uh, it, it, it fell flat. Like I felt nothing. Like <laughs> I, I had the weird echo chamber in my head from my early childhood memory of seeing the movie. And I laughed every time Bill Murray was on the screen. <laughs> and I genuinely liked when the other basketball players do their little like health checkup montage and stuff like that. But like, you know, the, the fun, the dumb stuff with the cartoons, Looney Tunes are like drained of life and Michael Jordan has an acting range that only sells Hanes underwear. Uh, as a kid? So, so anyway, what's the scale? Uh, <laughs> five stars? Yeah, give us, give us, give wait, us wait, a wait. one to a five. It was that. It this, is that. This, It's what? One to five. Yeah. Okay. That's what we've been doing. You're I want to make sure what, what your range is. I just forgot. Yeah. So <laughs> my, my, my score for this one as an adult is a two. Uh, my score for this one as a child, I love this movie. Uh, I, I, I loved it for reasons that I don't think were how it was designed to make me love it as a kid by the, like, focus, like, think tank that, like, developed this thing. But um, I would give this movie, 
out of five stars, I give this movie like a three and a half for when I was a little kid. Like there were some moments that I love and I clearly committed stuff to memory. I just think that stuff was incidental to the intentions of the creator. Yeah. Okay. That's me. All right. Kendra? Uh, yeah. Um, rewatching this, this is not a good movie. Uh, the Looney Tunes, I think, I think too hard at this point when I'm watching it. I, it's really hard for me to separate the, the, the blase, of the slavery stuff. The personal is the political, Kendra. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> well, it's it's just, it's like the fact that they're just like running fast and free with the slavery concept. Well, uh, and also then I start thinking about how the Looney Tunes like evolved from a like super racist background. Like sure. a, they were, I mean, Bugs Bunny was like running around Africa talking to big lipped natives. Getting like, cooked in a pot. Yeah. yeah. So it was just all, it was all really bad. But so I can't separate it from that. But because that aspect of it is there, it says some interesting things socially. And so it's always a fun thing to revisit and look at and have thoughts about. As a child, I loved it. I mean, I have to just say that, you know, gave it a five. It, I wasn't really allowed to like listen to the radio as a kid. And so these movies would come out and it would be like my moment to catch up with like popular black artists. (laughs) So like all my friends were allowed to listen to R. Kelly, like, and listen to him going on about like bumping and grinding and AJ nothing (laughs) but a number. And I wasn't. And so then I finally had like the R. Kelly song that I could talk to everyone about on the playground. And I felt really cool and included. So that helped me that helped along my love of this movie. So I, it was definitely a five for me as a kid right now. It's probably resting between like a 2.5 and a three. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to my opinion as a kid, because, uh, I'm pretty sure I only saw this once, um, in theaters. What I actually just remembered was, um, I was going to go see the second time in theaters. Uh, I think near the end of its, theatrical run and uh, in, I think early 2000 or early 1997 and I went with my dad to see it he he had not gone the first time but my mom my parents would would not each want to see this multiple times anyway my dad and I went <laughs> and it turns out that the 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 movie time uh, the listing in the newspaper was incorrect and it was not playing then oh. so instead we had to go see the re-release of The Empire Strikes Back which is a really memorable theater-going experience that I have now, and I'm really happy that I saw that instead of Space Jam because that stuck with me in a way that Space Jam would not have. But um, I, think, I think probably... I never got the VHS. I didn't rewatch it multiple times. It was probably a three at the time when I was a kid. I think I, I liked it, and I had fun, and little of it stuck with me beyond Bill Murray. And as an adult... Such fucking hipster kids, both of you. Oh, I really appreciated Bill Murray as an I practiced with... I loved Bill Murray as a kid. I also okay. did, too. I, I watched like... Ghostbusters repeatedly. Okay. Same. And Caddyshack, for weird reasons. Yeah. yeah. Ba- basically, like, meatballs. Like, yeah. I mean, like... Wings. Yeah. My dad, like, introduced me to Bill Murray. and was like, you know, watch this guy. is like the funniest man in the world. Watch his movies. So, so yeah. So, of course, I liked him. And, um, anyway, as an adult, I'm going to go with a two. It wasn't, it's not good. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, I didn't like a lot of it. Um, but I, I did not viscerally, but, uh, and then I liked little bits occasionally. So two out of five. All right. Yeah. That, that's, 
This, so this is not our highest ranked movie. This movie is not... Um, it's no Prince of Egypt. It's, no, it's not no. good. No. <laughs> in, in, if you're using a rigorous <laughs> definition of that word, it's not good. But you know what? Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. He yeah. really liked it. Maybe he just loved Chicago so much that he yeah. was happy to see a Chicago, you know, sports star. And him and, and Gene Siskel both liked it. Two thumbs and, up. Yeah, huh. and they are, like, contentious and usually fight each other on shit. Yeah. But partially I feel like it was so such a big money-making thing that everyone liked mostly. Yeah. Right. There might have been a little bit of, like, a mass delusion. Yeah. Also, maybe they were just so excited to see, like, you know, like the... I think the live-action animation combination was more of a novelty at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and totally. also, like, the Looney Tunes were back, finally. Right. Like, Even though we hadn't really been asking for them. Yeah. And, I don't um, think anyone had been. Like, TNT was still showing the reruns, and that was all we really needed. Did anyone ever see Looney Tunes back in action starring Brendan, Brendan Fraser? Fraser? Nope. I tried, but I couldn't. Didn't Joe Dante direct that? Why would either of us know that? I don't Matt, know. Matt might. I don't know. I like Joe Dante, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I never saw it. Yeah, I don't think we need to. Also, okay. you know what's funny? We never talked about the animation. I, like, I I was not a fan of the kind of like shading stuff they had on that, flat figures. Yeah, we can't talk about. Yeah, yeah we can't. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, yeah. I think what this movie in like in conclusion, I think what Space Jam <laughs> visually undynamic. Yeah, it was not. Di- I think what this movie told us was that the Looney Tunes had their era, and it was when. All of the original people were still drawing and voicing them. Yes. And that was Mel where Blank they was needed doing to stay. Thing. Yes. Mel yeah. Blanc, Chuck Jones, if you take them away, what's the point? There's, yeah. It, it's like Kermit without his gym. It's just depressing. That's right. Yeah. I'm tired after this for some reason. Oh, I'm sorry. Now you know how I felt after Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> There's some... a lot of... Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you have some parting words of wisdom, Matt? Guys, could he use some more Ernest? Could he, <laughs> could he use a little Jim Varney varnish? I'll see you guys later. Please join us, won't you, for our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do sign-offs. It's not natural. Is this where you guys do now an outro? Like, and where can we find you? Oh, oh, sorry. I know exactly. <laughs> sorry. It, okay. I'm so unused to... I'm a to... guest. Can I plug stuff, too? No, okay. I'm so unused to plugging things. I was just... They can. They told me that I should plug... Wait, okay. Stop wait, for, wait, wait. Stop for stop. a hot second. Oh, sorry, sorry. Stop for you, a hot second. We'll edit this. Okay. Regain, your, regain yourself. I'm good. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us to watch Space Jam, uh, whether you watched it or not, or just listened to us talk about it. Thanks. Um, so, our, our guest, Patrick, I just want to, like, give him a chance to, like, Tell y'all where you can find him on the interwebs. Hello, y'all. So Don't say that. I, <laughs> it didn't feel good as it came out of my mouth. It's a fun contraction. Anyway, exactly. Some, some people can pull off y'all. I can't. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Patrick H. Willems, all one word. And you can watch the YouTube videos that I make at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Go check him out. Yeah. Um, like, comment, and subscribe. I'm, sorry. And, I'm very, really um, sorry. Matt, who is notoriously, like, internet-phobic, where can we find you? Uh, well, I'm also weirdly involved in, in some of uh, Pat's stuff, so you can probably most, most, like, my biggest presence is probably still, like, in conjunction with your thing. At youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Yes. So, with that, that's it again. So you can see Matt's face there. 
Um, yeah, you it's can see what busy. I look like. Yeah, thank you, Kendra. You're um, And I also, uh, in my spare time, I'm drawing a dystopian uh, webcomic about the Trix Rabbit and serial mascots uh, that you can find at uh, trixcomic.tumblr.com. It's it's very good. You should really check it out. I'm having fun. So if you would like that, if that elevator pitch sounded cool, check it out. Awesome. Um, and I'm Kendra James. You can find me on Twitter at Kendra James underscore. That's at Kendra James underscore. Don't forget the underscore or you're going to get a porn star. Um, you can find me usually. Bonus. You can usually <laughs> find me writing at L or Cosmo, uh, Lenny Letter or a bunch of other places. Um Usually the newest stuff is pinned to the top of my Twitter account, which again is Kendra James underscore. Uh, you can reach us at the kids table um, by emailing us at kidstablepod at gmail.com. Or you can reach us on Twitter with your questions and comments at Kids Table Pod. Um, I know that I mentioned that next week we might be meeting Bill, uh, Bill Cosby. Don't necessarily take my word for that. Uh, we might switch it up. But right now, the tentative plan is next week to watch the 1994 movie Meteor Man, starring Robert, starring and directed by Robert Townsend. Uh, so if you want to watch that in advance so that you can be caught up with us, that would be awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. And Matt, do you have any parting words of wisdom? No.